North Otago. It's rich in history and strong in character. And you have found the podcast that celebrates all that is good within our district. Join Gary and Damien every week as they either interview a legend or someone who is putting North Otago on the map yet again. North Otago legends, up-and-comers, and a bit of history. The name says it all. Hello again, Damien. Hello, Gary. One thing we have to record on the podcast, mm. there was an orca in the harbour last Saturday. Yes. Yes, there was. Has that ever happened in the history of North Otago that we know of before? Yeah, I believe there has been orcas in there before, but, um, you know, pretty uncommon. Yeah, and Georgie Caddo out on her morning walk captured that. Yeah. Yeah, she's a good girl, isn't she? Yeah. Yeah. No, it was pretty special. And, um, you know, uh, like around the harbour, we've just got such an increasing amount of wildlife. Sometimes it's really cool. Uh, Sometimes it's a bloody nuisance in some respects, but we won't go into that on here. Yeah, no, we won't. That's not what we're talking about today, but I thought, hey, it's good to talk about those things and quite interesting. Yeah, 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 Yeah. it's cool. Yeah, and so you've invited today's guest along, so I'll let you introduce this man. Yeah, sure thing. So, um, you know, someone who, uh, again, has been very heavily involved in the community, Um, spent a lot of time doing a lot of different activities and wearing a lot of hats along the way, uh, but doing some really good stuff. So, Real pleasure to have uh, George Kelcher with us today. Hello, George. Thank you, Gary. Damien, appreciate it. Thanks for coming along and being part of the podcast. I look forward to it. Yeah. <laughs> you don't quite know what you're in for yet, do you? Yeah. Now that we have you here, George. Yeah. Hey, um, so, yeah, I'm interested in finding out quite a bit more about you, George. And um, obviously, Gary um, just mentioned you're, you're involved a lot in the community. But where did it all start? Where were you born and where were you raised? Uh, born in Omaru, my uh, parents had a farm at Mahino, in Chone Flat, and um, grew up on a farm, which was good at the time, Mahino School, and at Mahino's always home from then, then on. Yep. Um, sold the farm in about 1975. I'd uh, went to Waitaki Boys, then um, got an apprenticeship with uh, Targa Motors as a motor mechanic. Got the job in November. It was uh, The garage was in behind the, the old farmer's building. Yep. By the time I started in January, half the building had gone because the farm was burnt down and, and half the garage mm. with it. You know nothing about the fire? No, no, I was no. five forks playing tennis at All the right. time. Yeah. <laughs> Great alibi. He's got an alibi. Yeah. <laughs> and so we uh, served apprenticeship there and, and, and another couple of years after that. And during that process, they built uh, where North Otago Motor Group is now. Yep. So that was a very interesting career. And I was lucky to have some good people there that um, took these young fellow that's a bit of a larrikin under their wing and yep. taught him something. Yeah. Graham Wilson was the service manager and Arnold McKee was the foreman and they must have had an incredible amount of patience to uh, to keep us on the straight and narrow, but it got us off to a very good start. Yeah, it was good getting a trade. Yes, definitely. So let's go back to Mahino days on the farm. Good, yeah. Good was, days, good memories? Yeah, very much so. It was yeah. uh, good days and you could drive tractors and do other things and you had all the animals. And Yep. How big was the farm, would you? It was uh, 300 acres at the time. Mainly um, just sheep? Uh, sheep and, and crop and yeah. a bit of beef and had a rock quarry on it and um, some other things. A it was your, f- your first quarry. Yeah. Effectively, it was the first quarry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and some of the rock actually went into the harbour during the 60s. It was All right. part of the start of the harbour career as well. Right. So, yeah, 60 years of supplying rock to the harbour one way or the other. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Very good. And so Mahino School is a good way... Um, 
those country schools. I went to Totara growing up, and it was a fantastic environment. I really enjoyed my time there. Was Mahino probably was the same, was it? Or? No, it was a very good school. There's good teachers there, and, yeah. and um, you stayed. You didn't go to intermediate or anything. You stayed um, right through to form two. Yeah. How many kids <coughs> while you were there? I can't remember. There was there was twelve. 12 in my year, mm. um, I remember that, there was six girls, six boys at the time. Right. And I don't know how many children actually there would have been. It must have been 100 thereabouts. Yeah. Um, but there were some good teachers and mm-hmm. and um, same thing, gave us a good grounding and taught us a few things. In those days you learnt your times tables and you, yeah. you learnt your English and things. And, and respect and manners and all those, you know, old things that... Yeah, and I think yeah. that that's probably, it's slipped a bit in yeah. times. Yeah. So your, your parents were both on the farm, were they? Yes, they're both on the farm, and, and we went through floods and droughts, and some years were quite good, and other years were quite tough. Mm-hmm. Um, different times, the old man would drive in the grocery van. Um, we had chickens and eggs and things to to uh, fill in the gaps, and yeah, and um, it was a lifestyle. And then eventually, the farm gets too small, and the children, and it's it wasn't the uh, career of choice going forward. Yeah, no. Pretty tough Could farming and, yes. and, you know. It's, it's different irrigation. now with, with irrigation and the place is green. Um, in those days, you just depended on the weather. Mm. Do you think that put you <coughs> off farming as a young lad, seeing the struggles, or you always just wanted to make your own way in life? No, it probably put me off. I think that yep. there was um, it, hard to be consistent and, yep. and to see where you're going and, and to get yourself onto the farm and own it would have taken a long time. Yep. Do you have... Um, yeah, siblings. Brother, yeah, what, what do you? Yeah, I've think? got um, three sisters. Yeah, we had four. Um, one passed away as a, as a cot death at uh, three months, but there's three uh, remaining sisters. And yeah, one in Australia, one in Dunedin, and uh, one here. Right. Very good. What about sport? Played rugby early on um, and tennis. I was used to be the Southern Sub Association tennis. It was yep. it was good. Rugby was okay until. Started my apprenticeship, and then we had night tech two nights a week, so that broke out practice, and yep. so I didn't play much rugby after that. But um, started working, and then we were busy doing lots of things. Hmm. You so, still support the old um, green and black of Mahino? And, Absolutely, yeah. Mahino's always home. That's the home. Yeah, yeah. good. Good to see. Um, did you play for them right through, or did you end up playing at Boys High first? No, I just I only got to about fourth grade and stopped playing yep. full stop. Yeah, and. Um, what age were you when you started your apprenticeship then? Uh, 16. Yeah. Right. It's quite common, quite young um, people start apprenticeships. Well, it would have been younger. At, um, when I was at the end of the fourth form, which I was 14, 15, Goff, Goff and Hamer used to have a depot in Omaru here as part of the um, Benmore Dam. Yeah. And they applied for um, a couple of an apprentice for the next year. And it got down to two of us. And then they uh, closed the local depot. So <laughs> had to wait another year to get a job. Yeah. Right, so you, were you one of those kids that were just waiting to get old enough to and, and you know to leave school and go into a job? Yeah, I quite enjoyed school, um, yeah. but I suppose it was about 50 or 60% you enjoyed and the rest was a bit dictatorial. Probably got in a bit of trouble. Um, Tell us more. Well, you just need to test the boundaries. And you, yeah. you don't know where the boundaries until you get the cane, so that was simple. <laughs> Stan Lowe, did you ever get the cane from him? No, I didn't. He no. wasn't one of my teachers, but I was probably first in the class to... Have a look at it. Yeah. But anyway, it was um, good teachers, and they taught me a lot of things, um, which was good. Mm. Um, got you started on where you're going, and yeah, and it's been quite a reasonable ride since. Mm. So you, yeah, apprenticeship. You um, 
you know, that, that, that involved, as you say, a couple of nights of tech and so on. You'd have block courses and so on away, did yeah, you? Yeah, we did block courses in the Eden three weeks a year. Um, and it was 9,000 hours apprenticeship, I think. Got through that pretty good. Yeah. Um, we had a new, whole new garage. It was good. We had the latest wheel alignment equipment. We serviced V8s in those days, cop cars and and the guys up the valley that had sheaves, Bill McCautry and, and others. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I took on the truck mechanics job there. So had a fair range uh, until about uh, 1975. And then I was thinking of going to Australia and to drive trucks. That was where I was heading, go and see the big money. And um, looked around to see who had some decent-sized trucks to get a bit of practice on. And, and um, Stan Francis had the, the biggest ones with the RFs and Leylands, and he'd just bought Max. First up and Volvo's out of Sweden and so I went to see him and he didn't really want any truck drivers so that was alright. Just about had the door shut and he says, what do you do now? And I said, well, truck mechanic at, at uh, Rock House. And he says, I'll come in. I'm away to the States for th- two weeks but you come and see me in, in three weeks' time and we'll see what we can sort out. Mm. And that's um, well over 47 years ago. So that was North Tugger Road Metals yeah. and um, as it was then? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And um, so that stage we're involved in, in the Twizel project, um, which was a big big thing for the company in those days. Mm. And then other projects followed on. Um, Clyde Dam after that, um, we won the contract there for the sand and aggregate, so we supplied just about all the sand and aggregate for the Clyde Dam. And after that there was a river deepening job. Well, they had some stabilisation in the gorge and river deepening, so we were there right through the whole project. And then we since bought the land that we processed because we filled it filled it back up out of the river. Yep. And now it's the local quarry over there. Some other jobs went on after that. Um, the Pearl Dam was probably the next job um, with uh, Doug Hood Limited. And then that got washed out on uh, Waitangi Day or Waitangi Night, uh, 1997. Mm. There was an extreme flood and, and washed it downhill. That was a half million dollar bad day. But the Hoods being the good company they are, they stuck in and rebuilt it and, yeah. and we got stuck in with them. And we finally got it all sorted in the end. Shortly after that was second Manipuri tail race. Um, we won a contract down there to process all the materials in a deep cove. Um, and that was another very good project, in and out on the barge. So you'd go down there for a week at a time or how would it work? We, had, we were in and out of there about five times with the plant and equipment on the barge. Yeah. Um, well, that stage I was in, in management more so than out in the field all the time. Yep. And uh, um, the guys were doing the work and then there was some hold-ups. And between that, Stevenson's from Auckland were looking for someone to give them a hand. So they came down in 98 and had a look around and thought that we might fit the bill. So we went to uh, Auckland and finished off their East Tamaki quarry for them. And then we ended up at Drury and, and Kaiawa and Huntley and... We got home about six years later. <laughs> the boys and... Um, How many was in that crew? Oh, about five or six yeah. different times. And you'd... And we'd just, we'd travel up and, and uh, be there and travel back. And Yeah. So Stan took you on, what, to drive or to be a mechanic? No, he says if you're a mechanic for three months, I'll guarantee your truck. Right. So, which is what happened. And, yeah. um, and then I, from then on, I was a bit of everything. Truck mm. driver, crusher operator. Uh, we're in Twizel to about July 76, and then Stan had a job in Milford Sound, so 
another guy, Graham Allen, and myself went down there for six months, more or less. Mm-hmm. And that was the start of the crushing career, I suppose. And um, I've probably been in more in the yellow side of the business than the, than the brown and white side, but do both. Right. And you, equally proud of both. Can you just clarify what the yellow side as opposed yeah. to the brown and white side means yeah. for us? The brown and white trucks are the, are the fleet colours yeah. and um, they're well known throughout New Zealand. Yep. The yellow side is the, the crushing equipment, loaders, dump trucks. Yeah. Um, it's, it's the bit that crunches I the grill. Th- I thought it might have been that, but I didn't want you to ask. You were sitting there like you knew, but yeah. No, I was pretty sure, yeah, yeah I, 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 I recognised the brown and white yeah, well, straight away, yeah. so I thought colours must yeah. be, yep. Yeah, but we didn't know what the yellow no, was. No, so you know, my, my guesstimate was correct. Yeah. That's the main thing. Yeah. Moving on. So during all those times, we there was a lot of contracts around the country, and, and uh, we'd do a, a circuit from Milford Sound to Haas to Fox, Friends. We were all young and single. Um, probably played up a little bit, learned a lot, met a lot of people, yep. and got involved in lots of different projects in different parts of the country. Yeah, and that's still continues on, and we have um, the next generation now um, taking over those jobs. We've got quite a lot of sons that, and, and brothers and yeah. and nephews that work for the company. Um, so it's quite a big family company now. Yeah, it's grown a bit. We've got about two hundred something staff now, and it, it has unreal grown quite considerably. Because yeah, it was it was quite a that moment really. Well, that that period in time, I suppose, it, it you know spread out from just being North Otago, and eventually the North Otago got dropped off the name and so on. But uh, yeah, I recognise just how attached the family is still. So yeah, to, it's to uh, North Otago. When we went to Christchurch, Canterbury, um, North Otago didn't get in that well in Canterbury. They're a bit parochial up there. <laughs> um, and Stan passed away early in nineteen ninety two. That changed things a bit, and the boys took over um, and split the company up because we were in coal mining and we had hotels and we had lots of things, civil construction. Mm-hmm. So it got split up, and the times were a bit tough at, the, at, the, at different times. Yeah. Um, but you learn more in a tough time than you ever do in a good time. Yeah. And it's, it's been a hell of a ride, and uh, um, it's still a family company and with family values. So when you say the boys took over, that was his boys? Or? Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, so the direct family... Yeah. One of the boys took out the civil construction, another one took out the coal mining on the West Coast. Yeah. And uh, two, Johnny and Murray, took over as shareholders of what has become Road Metal. Yeah. So you um, have had the association all the way through. You became management, um, which which involved you still going away, just looking after jobs and so on around the place, was it? Yeah, you, you, you uh, price jobs yeah. and you've got to make sure it's organised, get the boys right, give them a hand if they're stuck, if we're working double shift or um, or weekends, you just go and do your shift. So what else happened in your life along the way? I mean, you know, you obviously had a family at some stage. Yeah, I got married in, when was that, 79, I think. Yep, and had uh, three children. <laughs> and um, marriage split up after about 22 years, but that was all good. Mum's still in town and the kids are still here. Well, they're all back here now. Mm. And... Um, moved into another partnership and life goes on. Uh, very well supported by the company. Um, we got involved with the Institute of Quarrying and Aggregate and Quarry Association and that was pretty good. I was on the Excito board for six or seven years on the industry training board and then became vice president, president of the IOQ and that took you a lot of places. Australia, went to South Africa as, for a quarry conference over there and it put you in touch with a lot of people around, around the world. Um, and then you finally finished a stint 
with IOQ and then went on the Aggregate Inquiry Association Board, which is the, the company side of the industry. Mm. Um, and we've been through the Pike River thing and, and trying to get quarry regulations sorted, which has finally happened after nine or ten years. Yeah. Um, so have a lot of interaction with WorkSafe, a lot of interaction with um, councils and, and uh, regional councils, ECAN and... So is the National Board working on behalf of all quarries in New Zealand? or It's the Aggregate Quarry Association, yeah. yes. Yeah. So you report to who? Well, you, you report to... You, you report to your owners, basically. Yeah. Um, and then it's, it's trying to uh, advise government, trying to push the necessity of aggregates because yeah. nothing gets built without aggregate. Yeah. And that's one thing that I've been very passionate about is... Is, is trying to get people to realise that nothing happens without it. So the quarry is not the dirty place down the road that if you haven't got a job, you go and find one there. Yeah. It's an absolute necessity for all parts of life. And the powers of be just don't seem to recognise this. As you said, there's been, you know, there's so much change, isn't there? The, the health and safety, particularly after Pike River, and then yes. the environmental <coughs> impacts and, you know, restrictions around where you can get aggregate from. So, you know, and, and we've, we've noticed that. I think over the last um, five years, where there's been a, you know quite a lot of activity going on and needing aggregate. Well, certainly the last ten years locally here, we've, we've been shut out of rivers. Um, but finally, came around to it now that they think that maybe we can get back in a bit. Um, <clears throat> but it's a it's a community asset, yeah. and there's really only two groups that pay for anything, and it's the ratepayer or the taxpayer. And sometimes we forget about New Zealand Inc. about just what the cost is. Yeah, and. It's not all local government, but central government make the rules. It comes down to local government to enforce. Gary will know a fair bit about that. But we spend a lot of time talking and, and not necessarily a lot of time doing. Yeah. And that's where I have a problem, that we need to get things done. Yeah. And I guess that it is some ways, it is, yeah, things move so slowly and the practical ways are not always um, adhered to or would you find that in... Well, Twizel was a classic example. Max yeah. Smith run that job there. It was his job. He was called God. Did you know Max? Yes. I, I need, yeah, I have a lot of, because um, he built the rowing. Yes. Yes, and Max Smith drive up there. He's a good man in my books. What Absolutely he did. Yeah, so. fantastic what he did. <clears throat> and um, that was one of the things that actually got in the boot in the end. Yeah, do you know that story? Oh, very much so. Oh, do you want to share that on the podcast? And it's a great story. Do you know it, Gary? Oh, a bit of it, yeah. But um, yeah. yeah, he actually yeah, my current partner's husband was one of the guys that yeah. actually put the cables down the bottom of the oh, is that right? the lake. And our, yeah. our camp used to be under the lake. We we had a. Oh, did it really? We ate at the single men's camp, but we actually had our own camp as far as accommodation went. Yeah, and it was pretty good party central, and everyone worked hard and played hard. And, yeah. Um, but um, Max was into a lot of things, and he he, he did great things for the community and. He was put the rowing course in there, which has been fantastic ever since. Yeah. But he'd got offside with um, Wellington a bit because he didn't always follow the correct channel, I don't think. And he'd also basically started Project Echo without <laughs> consent or permission or whatever. I might have the story slightly wrong here, but um, finally Wellington found something that they could give him, the give him a bit of a nudge over. And um, he's told the story himself since about the whole thing and... Yeah, in my understanding, it was just meant to be a hydro lake, and he sort of he made the last thousand meters straight, and he left a wee island at five hundred meters, and and then he put the concrete 
um, in for the starting and run the cables, and all of a sudden, head office found out what he was doing and said, hey, that's not okay. It was after the event. Yeah, after the event. <laughs> yeah. But now it's world-class facilities up there. So Absolutely, guys, yes. And guys and like that. Twice it was yeah. supposed to be pulled down and gone. Yeah. And look at it now. You, you can't buy a section there now, us people. Well, Gary probably can. He's probably got a couple, but we can't get one. Now there's a lot, a lot of building going on up there. We've, yeah. we've, uh, we've got a concrete plant up there. There's, there's, yeah. there's lots of things happening there. Yeah. So talk to us a bit more about aggregate. You like you say it's very important. So it's used in concrete. It's used in the road, making roads. What else do we do with it? Everywhere the water pipes, any any concrete yeah. of any sort has to have aggregate. Um, you dig a hole anywhere, you need aggregate to put it back in. Your building blocks, your, your uh, it's all made out of aggregate. Yeah. Um, ladies makeup. A lot of that comes from a quarry. It comes from it's ground to a paste and, and um, actually comes from a quarry. Is that right? Yes, it is. And yeah. then you have all your buildings, totally different kinds of building stone. Yeah. And that's aggregate. Yeah. Um, so just about everything you do yeah. is based on that. You wouldn't have any water, no electricity without aggregate. So it's quite important. Yeah, no, very important. And now we've got a wee bit of lack of aggregate because there's quite a few holes in the roads, so we need a bit more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't know where they all disappears out of those holes, but anyway. <laughs> so you, along the way, you know, I mean, one of the reasons we got here is the, some of the other things you've also done around the community. Um, you know, and I've, I've always, um, almost always appreciated the, the great things you do, George, or, you know, to, to, to get things moving and to, you know, yeah, just, just help things get done. So, um yeah, I like, you know, I'm most familiar with the stuff you've been doing around the harbour and, and so on, but, you know, tell us about some of the... Um, well, there's different things. I mean, start. Some of it's to do with managing rivers is one that, that um, you're always trying to do the best for the for the locals. And, and you wear three or four hats. You wear a company hat, you wear an environmental hat, you wear a ratepayers hat, and you wear your own hat. Yeah. And... It's sometimes it's easy to so say that's we'll just go and cut here, we'll get 100 kilometres and we'll just go and buy a fleet of trucks and that's going to be great, but that's not where it should be. Um, we have to look after the people. I mean, the council has a certain rate take. You, you want to try and make that the cheapest, most effective way you can. Um, I've always had a philosophy that I hate seeing anyone hard done by or taken advantage of, and you probably put your hand up sometimes where you should or shouldn't, but you do. Um, community things. If you want to have a say, you want to do it in the right place. Don't go and belt things out on Facebook or yeah. or in behind the scenes. Just get involved and do it in the right place. Well said. And then come up with an answer, not just the grizzle. You yeah. need you need to have an answer. And I guess probably the only time that Gary and I really sort of knock heads is that how quickly things do or don't get done. And, <laughs> and um, I'm a doer, not a talker when it comes to <laughs> to because talking takes time and it, it is money and it, yeah. every time a month goes past it's bills gone up and yeah and sometimes you think why just don't you do it the simple way and it's done finished and you can appreciate what you've what you've achieved yeah and and just in my defense <laughs> no, 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 no i'm with george on this you don't have a defense yes gary why no. don't things get done the simple way well they some of them need to be much more simpler than what they are that's Still a for politician sure. isn't he george but eh? but yeah I guess yeah, part of it's juggling priorities and so on. And yeah, I mentioned before, yeah, things have been really busy over mm-hmm. a period of time. Yeah. Um, you know, with a whole lot on, and uh, 
Yeah, it's it's, it's difficult. You know, for for me, it's like if I see something where I can actually just get in there, I can go out and work with somebody, you know, and get something done. I mean, we just do it, and mm. um, you know, well, tonight we're going to go and light up the Christmas tree, for example. Um, you know, and that was just a community effort. A lot of that. Yeah, the great. And actually, I seen you there, Gary, as I drove past. You yeah. Were, um, helping Nick work Waitaki out. They, they, I think they appreciated you telling them how to do that. <laughs> did they? Giving them advice. I was just working for them. Yeah, 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 yeah. In charge. Anyway. So, back to George. So back to George. Tell um, us about the heart. Yeah, one, one of the great things, yeah. you know, is, is George does um, is impatient, and that's that's really helpful to actually have an ally that's like that because yeah. it does help get things done a bit more quickly. Yeah, I don't necessarily blame the council. There's a lot that comes from central government. Yeah, they they just put some more rules in place, and half the laws that get passed, you actually don't know what they mean until they go before the judge, the first or second case, and you get the case law. It's like the RMA. It's not what it started off as. Yeah, it wasn't a bad law, but now it's just out of control. The harbour. Um, I think one good story is quite a few years ago, some really rough season that blew a hole out in the middle of the breakwater, and some of those big blocks moved and. Yeah. Then that uh, became a real, real problem of how the hell are going to fix this, and it sat there for quite a long time. And at that particular time, we'd bought some railway wagons off the railways, the flat deck tops, and we came up with a scenario that if we'd clamped them on the side and made an end for it, we could actually pour concrete in there and then just keep moving it along. So that's what we did, yep. and um, I think take a little bit of credit for that because it was a simple way of getting a, a major engineering problem. Yep. Fixed. And that part of it's worked very well. Rocks come and go on a bit. Um, over the years, it's been North Otago hasn't got a lot of good rock. Um, yeah. But this last round, we've we've upped the size considerably. Um, we're now putting, I think, our biggest rock that went in there was 27 tonne. So we're putting a lot of rock in there between 10 and 25. And um, to my knowledge, it's that, that part's worked very well now. And we're due for another survey about now. Just to see what's not moving, so yep. it's um, something we've had a lot of interest in, and, and we're a bit passionate about. And I'm certainly passionate about getting access to the breakwater back because that should never have been taken away. Yeah. Um, but I think we've spent quite a lot of money talking to ORC with no great result yet. There's places for the environment. Um, we are all environmentalists at heart, but Omri's got a bit of a problem as to what takes precedence. Sometimes is it the Seagulls that shit down the street over everybody, or is it the, the penguins or the? Yeah, I'm putting all this rock, and we've actually yeah. prov- provided a, a place for a seal colony. And now we've got a seal colony that now we can't walk out of the breakwater. Yeah, I shake my head. I think. Yeah, there's uh, opportunities to coexist. That's for sure. As a young boy from Mahino that got strapped or caned at Waitaki Boys, now you're turning out to be, you know, uh, a voice for practical. Solutions on the breakwater. You've 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 done quite well, haven't you? Like you're obviously passionate about North Otago, and you're obviously passionate about seeing it going ahead. Oh, very much so. I mean, we've been involved in a lot of developments and, and things, and there's different places that you you make things work. Piece of Moorings, for instance, is a lovely place now, and they've got a pond in the middle there. And where's that? Sorry, just out of Cromwell. Yeah, um, we actually helped dig that hole and we crushed the gravel that yeah. went into the subdivision. So. There's, there's a lot of places you can go past and think we had a little bit of a part of that and part of it you were paid tourists going all around the country all parts of the year winter, spring yeah. the different colours um, 
we got to mix with industry heads. Um, any major project in New Zealand, we get a phone call. Um, and that's a privilege that the company's got to. And it's through the hard work of the people. And we've got people that have stayed there for 40 years. We've got people that have been there 50 years now. And we're all changing the guard yep. now, but we've got good young people coming up. So it's been a privilege to be part of all that. And you get to talk to government and you get to talk to others. Um, and in your own way, you might have had a little bit of input into where New Zealand is. Yeah. Yeah, and left a, left a wee bit mark for the future generations. So you've Absolutely. And great-grandchildren to appreciate. Well, you can't, you'll never build another Upper Waitiki project. You'll yep. never build another Clyde Dam in today's world. No. Um, so those things are gone now, but when they think about what they want to be green and clean, what's wrong with that? Yeah. Another thing you've been doing locally is you're dabbling in a wee bit of other business as well. Yes, yeah, so... Partner and I, Joanne and, and myself, um, we bought what was Colour Plus on the corner of Reed Street and Eden Street nearly 10 years ago, I think. And then the um, franchisor of that sold out to Guthrie Barron, so that put us in a difficult spot. What to do next? So we bought the Guthrie Barron business as well, off Steve and Fleur, and amalgamated the two together. And um, it's cogging along there and keeps Joe busy and yeah. gives me something else to do if I thought I had nothing else to do. <laughs> Is that why you keep working at Road Metal if you haven't retired yet? Because you're going to have to go and I'm not allowed to shop, stand behind the counter or something. I'm only there to fix the forklift and do some other things. Eh? <laughs> Steve and Fleur live across the road, so as you go out, you're about to throw yep. a stone on the roof and no, say hi. No, Steve. And, um, and you might recognise the wallpaper in here. That was from your shop a couple of years ago. Thank you very much. Yeah. The um, And then through the career, I was about 25 years as, as general manager of Road Metals, and um, it was time to step back. There was a couple of times we looked at jobs and Mario and I says, oh, yes, geez, if we were 20 years younger, we'd be right into that job. And once you've said that twice, it's time for you to go out of that role and get someone else <laughs> in. someone else coming in. So we have, and um, about the same time, Gary popped up again and said, look, you might want to be a director on Whitestone Contracting. I said, oh, I've got a spare time now. <laughs> I'll start that off. So it can't have gone too bad because... Without any other notification, I got a letter a while ago, so you got another three years coming up. So, <laughs> thank you, Gary, <laughs> and the council. Yeah, no, we were, it's been a bit busy. You didn't have time to go through it. I thought you might have been rel- relatively short of people. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you, you, um, you're there on merit. You, you're adding a voice and, and an experience, which is really good, partly because it's that practical aspect you bring, but also, yeah, having skills, knowledge around, particularly the quarrying. And, um, and and trucking and so on is you know that it, it's good industry knowledge to have around the board table as well. What does it involve? Like a meeting once a month, or are you more hands on than that? No, it's a meeting once a month, and then you or you get some other hands on stuff. Yep. There's some um, equipment purchasing and yep. and um, what which way you could you know where you're going and any other ideas or support that that um, people need. Yep. Um, we have a, a very wide network in the industry and. New Zealand's not very big, so everyone knows everyone, and that's where you can draw on other people's experience, and and, and you learn off other directors as well because they, they come from different backgrounds, and yeah, and it's just a different um, government versus management really. How many sit on that Whitestone Roading board? Five. Five. Are they all local people, or you've drawn no, in people from no. outside to add a bit more strength to it? No, I'm the only local one. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. Yeah, so. Local living. No, you're local living, yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to remember the numbers now. One, one 
you know, has never lived here. I think three. Steve, Steve Gray's parents used to be here. Yeah. Um, Craig White's got a business oh, yeah. here. Yep. Um, seen her at Cotter Tate and, and Jonathan, I don't think, have. No, 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 two of them haven't. But yeah, strong connections with two, you know, two of the others and George living here. Yep. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, a company like that, you know, came from a council works department um, and over the years it's had to become more commercial and, um, you know, it's one of the things that you bring is, is I guess, knowledge of all of that that side of things. Well, I've had a very long relationship and I was going through a draw the other day and I'd come across the paperwork that was the recommendations for Whitestone to be set up because we... My first job in a truck was carting to the Burry Yard for gravel and the was the Borough Council and the County Council and, and uh, Lawrence Hardy, who ended up as CEO at, at uh, Whitestone when it was formed, he was the, the office clerk that signed the docket. So we had a long relationship there and then once it was set up, 91 onwards, um, some very, very good people there, um, Lawrence and, and Bruce Wheeler, who was foreman at the time, we got on extremely well. He very much looked after Whitestone, but um, we also did a lot of work together. We had Doug Hood for earthworks, road metals for, for aggregate supply and cartage, and um, Whitestone for the laying of the roads, and yeah. quite a few major projects between here and Dunedin. Yep. That, that was the group that, that did that. So they were good times and big projects, and, and they got completed on time, and someone made some money, and it was it was good for everybody. Mm. Yeah, they're the good days. Yeah, but it's certainly, um, yeah, we appreciate your contribution around that board table and it's been a couple of tough years getting through this last COVID um, situation, but hopefully. Yeah, everybody's in the same boat. Looking a bit brighter. We're a bit short, everyone's short of staff and mm. right across all industries. Yeah. There's been some other things. Um, been involved with the Chamber of Commerce, which is now Business South. Um, same thing, support from the company help do that and that helps you get into trying to put some good ideas to get things done in the community. Yeah. Harbour Committee. There's some other spatial plans go on about where traffic's going to go next and where are we going to develop next, where we're going to live, how we're going to do it. Yeah. And they're important things. Um, so the same thing that we're looking five and ten years ahead to make sure that we don't muck it up now. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're part of a um, like heavy transport type group that the council speaks with yes occasionally yes talking about intersections and uh, roundabouts and roundabouts yeah I probably got a bit of a beef about some of the roundabouts <laughs> fair enough a particular one in Derwent Street <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> well, it's not a roundabout that's, that's a, it's a small island yeah we, oh, right. yeah well, let's not go there that's a head scratch of that one isn't it like who come up with that I want to meet that person uh-huh. no don't worry it's so the, the the concept was good. It was just slightly large. Yeah. Anyway. No, we have representation <laughs> on, on the um, Road Transport Association and the yeah. Heavy Haulage Association and lots of different um, groups because that's where you have some input into, into national government. So you sound busy enough. It's still a bit happening. Yeah. And we import a bit of stuff from around the world. We, we import direct out of China and the UK. And what do you import out of there? Tyres, screens, pump yep. parts, crusher parts. Yeah. You're doing a bit of a redevelopment too? Oh, yeah, that's the project at the moment is, is uh, we're shifting our whole yard and new workshop and office being built. So yeah. it's supposed to be finished next week, but we're a wee bit late behind <laughs> time. It'll be perhaps March next year. Yeah. But that's a big move for the company. It's a major, major investment in North Otago. Yeah. Um, 
Murray is very parochial, Murray Francis, about um, supporting North Otago, and I certainly am too, so there'll be a little bit of a legacy there behind when uh, when we don't need an office. There is a rumour that um, probably if you weren't so insistent on continuing to live here that you know, the, the setup here might not have been quite as big as it is. That would be a fair comment, and yeah. um, that's why the relationship has worked so well. We, Murray and I get on extremely well together, um, but we live a long way apart, and um, it's worked extremely well. Yeah. But now it's passed on, and his son Daniel's taken over as general manager, and we've got some Richard Hardwick and others coming through in the, in the company here, mm. um, and that's great for the future. That's the next 20, 30, 40 years being cemented in. Very good. Speaking of cement, you'd do a bit of that too. Yeah, we um, set up Kiwi Concrete in Omaru 2005. Um, there only used to be one player here. And the theory after that was no matter who you bought it off, it was going to be cheaper and, and the service was better. So that's worked very well. Yep. Both companies have survived quite well. Yeah. We now have um, about seven concrete plants around the country. and All Kiwi Concrete? Yeah, 30 something trucks. So yeah. we've got here, Twizel, Christchurch, got two or three plants, Kaikoura. Yeah. So that's a, a growing business as well. Did you have quite a bit to do with setting that up as well, or was that...? Yeah, we built we yeah. built the plant. We just yeah. we personally built it. Yeah. Because um, I'm an engineer, as certified welder at one stage as well. Um, so we built a lot of our own crushing plant. Yeah. Um, and we draw, draw it up with a pencil and paper mm. and chalk on the floor. And yeah. We have a great team of engineers that can actually make that look like yeah. something. <laughs> and um, we're renowned for having something that's different. Yeah. So investment-wise, are you... As far as Kiwi Concrete, uh, like, did you invest into any of that or did you do no, it? No, no, I haven't. Um, the, the company holds 100% of the shares. Yes, um, yeah. I've been well looked after, yeah. but no, I'm not a shareholder. Not a shareholder. No. That, no. So, the, um, yeah, I mean, erosion was your enemy, really, for the you know, the, the local um, workshop and, and yard. And, uh, yeah, Kiwi Concrete's facing the same issue with erosion. Yes, it is. Um, I think... About 1962 or thereabouts when the stand first moved down to that yard there, and there was quite a lot of room. Just in recent times, um, 1996, I was sitting in an office, which is now 25 metres out to sea. So that's actually quite scary. Mm. Um, we built a new office further back, and um, the current workshop there, it was uh, at Deep Cove, it was one of the project workshops for the second Manipuri Tail Race. So we bought it out on five truckloads, put it up there. And um, it's done a good job for 20 years, but the sea's getting closer. Mm. So for further investment, we've got to start somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. So, so um, yeah, you bought that bit of land and um, the, the big shed's going up just uh, north end of you know, the business park there. Um, and, yeah, it's looking good, got to say. Yeah, it's, it's getting there and it's, it's got a lot more room than uh, than what we've got. We've um, we run quite a few workshop staff, engineers, mechanics, We've got a fleet of 70-something trucks, I think, um, across the company and utes and loaders, and they do a good job looking after all that. Mm. And this will give us room to put some more apprenticeship apprentices in place because we need to be training people. We've just run out of room the last few years, so yeah, that'll let us do that next year and get that underway and build for the next generation. And I think you and Murray had pretty good um, vision for how it's going to look as part of the entrance way to Omaru as well. Bit of yeah, I up. think give us... Uh, Give us a bit more time, and, and we'll have it done. We'll mm-hmm. see. You'll see we've cleared around your Omri sign now, Gary. We've good that those trees are gone. Yes, and um, 
it'll become whatever your team want to make it in the end. Yeah. No, no. no it's good. Yeah, it's, it's just making that whole entrance to Omaru just that much more attractive. It's some, really good. There's some more developments going on that I'm aware of that, that, that'll that fill in some more gaps there too. So mm. it's all pretty positive. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, it's good. So you sound like you're a projects man and you're probably... If you want something done, you ask a busy person, pretty much. That's how it is. So what do you want to see happen next? What's your next project in the district? Or what would be something you, if you'd want to sink your teeth into and get it moving? A couple of long-term things. Um, the ORC's got to get back onto river management in a much better way. We've got global climate change, whatever you want to call it. It, it is here. Um, there's more events. Your 100-year floods become your 10-year flood. That can easily get down to one-year flood. We need to be planning for bigger rivers to be able to accommodate the flows without having massive destruction that then goes back on the rate par. Mm. So you can do a lot of that when it's dry years and you can do it cheaply at no cost, effectively, and it's a community asset. The other thing is the harbour. There's quite a bit down there, and um, I'm not knocking Gary here, but we've been looking at sealing the Penguin Car Park for two or three years, and we've yeah. got round Scots. Tourism is coming back now. Um, you see buses on the road, camper vans. We've got to make this whole place a really attractive thing. Omri has become a destination now. Yeah. For a long time it was a place that there was no jobs, the kids left, yeah. um, and we, as Bill Laney once put it, we don't want to, what is here, we're a retirement town. I mean, what a shocking thing to say. Yeah. Um, now we've got the opportunity through other things, and we'll see where Geo Park goes and other things, but this can be a real oyster. Yeah. And you look around the rest of the world now, because I follow the, quite a lot around the world, what a place to come to. I mean, who wants to live in the Northern Hemisphere? Yeah. Who wants to live next to Ukraine? Um, there's potential that there's going to be a lot of people that come to places like Omri. Yeah. And then the rate pace goes up. We'll get Forrester Heights built. And yeah, a stadium. A stadium, yes, the stadium with the new grandstand. The new grandstand. <laughs> so that's a big... Yep. Yeah, that's, well, well, if you're going to we'll do it. We'll put some deck chairs on the roof for you, George. <laughs> yeah. Hang on, no, no, he's got a point here. No, if you're going to yeah. do it, yeah. you do it properly, right? Yeah. And um, it's, it all boils down to money, and everyone knows that, but somewhere there's some money somewhere. They can waste it, but central government, a billion a week doesn't matter. So yeah. all we need is a wee tag of that, and we'll get it fixed. Yep. Yep. Fingers crossed. And Gary's working on that, I understand. Yeah. I was talking <laughs> yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, well. So, quick question. Normally, Damien has a few questions. I'm not sure if he does today, but um, a quick question. Um, Road Metals has, uh, you know, made a, made quite a thing of its relationship with Mac, Mac Trucks. Um, are Whitestone going to be going that way? Not necessarily. Um, no, Mac Trucks are, or Stad used to have, he's always had big trucks. Um and you had English trucks, the Sfodens in the 60s, and Leyland octopuses and and uh, ERFs. And then when we started Twizel, he ventured out and bought three Macs. So it was the second, third and fifth long-nosed Macs, I think, into New Zealand or certainly the South Island. And at the same time, he bought three cab over Volvos out of Sweden, which was pretty unheard of. And that was the start of a, a long relationship. Ron Carpenter was the, was the salesman at the time. And it's his son now, Andrew, and his brother that, oh. uh, that own the industrial park out there. So that relationship carries on. They just had a 50-year Mac celebration in um, North Island a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago, not a month. 
um, celebrating 50 years and we had a few trucks up there and that's one thing that Murray and the boys are very, very proud of is, is their gear. That's, we don't advertise, that's, that is our advertising. Yeah. And um, that runs up and down the road. Oh, Stan must have been quite a visionary. Yes, he was. He yeah. was. Um, he had to go at a lot of things. Yeah, but guys like that are based in North Otago who... Yes, well, he started off um, um, as a kid. I think wasn't even old enough to drive a truck, but he was collecting rabbits. Yeah. And I've actually got a receipt at home. He put some rabbits off my mother in 1938 because um, <laughs> uh, he lived at uh, Duntreen or Takaraki and my mother was at Windsor. Um, so that he started in 55 with what was North Takaro metal and, and um, it's grown. It's been through some tough times yeah. and it's been through some good times, um, but it's been a, a real success story. Yeah. So what do you do for fun? It can't be all work and... You know, what do you fishing, hunting up the lakes? Uh, no, I haven't had time for fishing and hunting. And, is that um, right? Come on. We used to go duck shooting. Yeah. Um, but um, no, we've got a caravan now and we parked that. It's just parked at Kuru at the moment, so we pop up there for the odd weekend. Yeah. We get tied up in a lot of social events. Um, last night was the rugby prize giving, and yeah. last Saturday night was our function for our southern end. Um, tomorrow night's Christchurch social function, and then we get invited out to this and that. and because you know a lot of th- people and you've been involved with a lot of companies at, yeah. at um, top level, it's, it's been a, it's a privilege really that you get invited to lots of things, especially this time of the year. Yeah, yeah, and um, that'll drift off over time as other people move up. But yeah, one can't keep up as much as you used to either, so it's not too bad. Oh, they have plenty of do's at the the rest home. <laughs> You'll be right, George. Yeah. <laughs> the um, oh, I get a. Get involved with some car things, with a couple of couple of collectible items, and, and that. So that's your passion, collectible cars. No, it's, it's yeah, probably an investment. Yeah, or something to do when you run out of other things to do. Yeah, but um, oh, between work and council and shop and local stuff and yeah, takes care of the time. Ah, very good. Any grandchildren? Yeah, yeah, got um, you know, got five, I think, five grandchildren. That keeps you busy. Yeah, they're they're all growing up. Yeah. The oldest one's 19 and six foot three or something. So. Oh, is that right? <laughs> yeah. So you better behave. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Knock me around now. Yeah. That's no, all good. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming in today. No, I appreciate the, yeah. appreciate the invitation. Yeah. It's just from where we are, it's so good talking to different people who look at things from a different angle. And um, someone might come in tomorrow and saying, well, we're dropping all that stone over the rake water. But you know what I mean? Like everyone has a different opinion. But it's good that there are some people that are passionate and that they enjoy seeing um, North Otago develop and be the best it could be. And, yeah, we don't want to see an old retirement town that does tumbleweed. I remember New Year's Eve, there used to be tumbleweeds through the town. No one would stay. Now people come here for New Year's Eve and and the New Year's Eve party and things like that. Well, it's great. I mean, there's been a major investment. Irrigation, for instance. um, It's during the 60s that they built the Lower Waitaki. Um, One of the first jobs was running around sealing up the races. And then the, the, the um, North Otago scheme first came up. That was a big scheme. Yeah. Um, part of that was trying to get that built within budget. And we opened up a new quarry at Napara because yeah. it was basically in the middle of things. Supplied a lot of sand and it was because the cart distance was short, that helped. And stage two's gone ahead. And now all that country is green. It's at a cost, but they got surety for farming. They know where they can grow stuff. Yeah. Um, and that's there's a massive amount of investment out there that, most of Omaru probably doesn't realise it's there. 
mm-hmm. um, and that's all flows on into into town eventually. Yeah, you can see a you know five million dollar sheet go up is pretty obvious, but not a five million development on a farm. You don't that's right. You don't notice it. That's exactly right. And yeah. there's, there's some massive amount of investment out there, and mm. good good on the ones that have done it. Mm. Oh, thanks for coming in today, and thanks for what you do in the community and. Um, being proactive and thank you for keeping Gary on his toes. No, on behalf of the I need district, it more, more yeah. than just George, probably, to be fair, but yeah, yeah. He, no, he's good at that. Yeah. You know where he lives, just in case he's not listening, you can turn up? Yes, I do know. No, I was going to say, <laughs> you know, you can, yeah. Oh, no, we've got a good relationship and it's, yeah. um, I appreciate the opportunities you get to talk to council at different mm. times because um, I have been asked to stand, but I don't think I could put up with the the bureaucracy that comes with council. No, because, stay out of it. Um, you can have a, a positive impact from the outside, but yeah. to put up with the inside bit would might be too hard. No. Be too grumpy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just got to breathe sometimes. Yeah. But anyway, no. Thanks very much, George. Great to see you again. Mm. Well, there you go, Damien. Did you learn a bit more? I've learned. I always learn. Yes, I, I know. You've got so much to learn. And considering I didn't know George, I feel like I know him now. I yeah. know him well. And um, yeah, what a busy man in this district. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we, um, we'll, we'll think of other things. I mean, we didn't even talk about the, you know, the company's support of North Otago rugby and other things. But you know, yeah, they're passionately North Otago, and yeah. George is a big reason why they do what they do. Yeah. No, it's very good enjoyed it it's good good listening in and uh, yeah I have learned a wee bit so mm. I'll take that away with me good job alright mate we'll so, see you next week will do alright Gary thanks very much bye, bye.